Oh. Okay, so that concludes 20 minutes of meditation. I would encourage you to keep your eyes closed and join me in the third step prayer. We're going to do the prayer slowly and deliberately, one line at a time, one breath at a time. We're going to do a few breaths in between each line to actually do what it's asking us to do and not do what it's asking us to not do. So, for me, the first line of the prayer is the word God. I breathe in God. And I think that the prayer is asking me to make a connection with this thing we call God or higher power or whatever you want to call it. So I take a few breaths and I continue calling to it like I would call to a friend. And I breathe out, I offer myself to thee. take a few breaths and I ask myself this simple question, really? Do I really offer myself to my higher power right here, right now? And I take a few breaths and I see what might be standing in the way. I breathe in to build with me and to do with me as thou will. And I take a few breaths and I try to see if there's a sensing or a knowing or a feeling of what my higher power might want to build with me or do with me today, right now. And I breathe out. Relieve me of the bondage of self. And I take a few breaths. And I try to see what it might feel like or sound like or be like if I had no bondage of self, no story, no opinion, no old ideas, just a quiet, open mind. And I breathe in, that I may better do thy will. And I take a few breaths. And I think about, how much better could I do God's will if I had that quiet, open mind?
And I breathe out, relieve me of the bondage of self. And I... (laughs) I got that wrong. Take away my difficulties. I breathe out. Take away my difficulties. And I take a few breaths. And I think about what have been my difficulties today. What has gotten in the way of me being the person that I think my higher power would have me be today. And I breathe in that victories over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. And I take a few breaths and I think about the people I might come in contact with the rest of today. And I think about how I might affect them if I truly was an example of God's power, God's love, and God's way of life. And I breathe out the last line of the prayer. May I do thy will always. And I allow myself to smile. And I picture myself doing God's will right here, right now, always. And whenever you're ready, you can gently open your eyes. Take a few more breaths. Allow yourself to become conscious of the seeing that's happening now that your eyes are open. While we were meditating, another prayer just would not stop praying in my head. And it went like this. God, grant me the willingness to forgive myself for every mistake I've ever made. And grant me the willingness to forgive you for every, every mistake you've ever made. Yeah. The... The feeling behind that was, wow, wow, wouldn't it be freeing? Wouldn't it be amazing to be cleaned right now, completely clean of all of the mistakes that I've made up until this moment, all of them? And wouldn't it be amazing if I could forgive you for all of the mistakes you've made also up until right now? And we could start this moment, this one, this one that's happening right now, together, in total nowness, with no relation to the past, with no uh, 
punishment of myself or of you necessary for this for this moment to happen it's an amazing i think to me that's an amazing uh and it's an amazing place to come from if i could be free of the bondage of self of of all of my past mistakes that's the bondage of self the the self keeps telling me no you can't have that you've made a lot of mistakes you can't you can't let yourself have that and then it and then it says no you have to punish them whoever them is for what they did and so i'm the jailer I'm the one that's making sure that you get punished and in punishing you I get to enjoy the punishment with you. <laughs> There's no freedom in punishing somebody. It's terrible. It's a terrible place to be. Punish being the punisher or getting punished. Neither one of those is a great place to be. Whether I'm punishing myself or you, I'm still I'm trapped in that. <clears throat> oh, by the way. Uh I'm Randy and I'm alcoholic. I'm allergic to alcohol. I can never ever drink alcohol successfully again, one day at a time right now forever. Because I'm allergic to it. That's why. It's not cuz alcohol is good or bad. It's just because I'm allergic to it. It's not a punishment. It's just what is. The reason I'm allergic to alcohol is because I drank it and I drank it a lot. And the reason I drank it a lot is because I have a disease called alcoholism. and the disease shows up as an unsatisfiable fault-finding opinionated mind that's always in a hurry easily frustrated and can't stand the word no and because of that unsatisfiable mind the same mind that tells me that if i had this thing i would be satisfied is the same mind that when it gets the thing can't be satisfied because of the nature of the disease i get into a lot of emotional pain over that and when i get in enough emotional pain i do whatever i whatever i it, whatever my disease tells me will kill that pain i'll do and for years alcohol worked perfectly perfectly it killed it instantly completely and fantastically and it allowed me to have what i talked about in that forgiveness prayer it allowed me to forget about all of my troubles and all of my past mistakes and it allowed me to be okay in the moment so i could be funnier and i could laugh and i could dance and i could do things that i would be ashamed of if i hadn't had the alcohol and even today when i get into enough emotional pain the disease wants relief it wants relief through uh outside means through more money different partner drugs alcohol anything outside never inside the disease never says oh you should meditate <laughs> you should you should get quiet and meditate and see where this is coming from it never says that It always says you're an idiot, nothing ever works out for you. So you might as well drink. That's what it says. So, that's why I'm here today, cuz the disease needs to be treated. 
and the treatment of the disease is 12 steps. And the Wednesday meeting is basically steps one, two, and three over and over and over again, just to hopefully have a new, a new take on it, a new approach to it, or a new insight for it. Because the whole program is, if I can get to step three, where I have truly in this moment made a decision to turn my will and my life, my thoughts and my actions over to the care of God, as I've understood it, because I've done something in two and one, and I've had the experience of having a quiet mind, of having being present in the moment, if I could truly live that decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of God, there would be nothing, there's no other steps needed. That's it. This is the place to be, is to be in a place where I have made the decision to turn my will and my life, my thoughts and my actions over to the care of God as I understood it. That's as deep as you can go. The reason there's 12 steps is because if I don't deal with my resentments, no matter how deep I go into this relationship with this higher power, the resentments will drag me back into alcoholism. And once I've dealt with the resentments and I've become more rigorously self-honest with myself, and in step seven, I'm going out into the world to practice this now, to, to I'm humbly asking it to remove my shortcomings, where I fall short of being the person that I think my higher power would have me be. In step seven, I'm going to go do that, but I can't go do that because the people in my life keep reminding me of how terrible I was before. So I have to clear up the wreckage of my past in eight and nine. I have to make a list of all the people I've harmed. I have to become willing to make amends to them. And then I have to go make amends to them. And in that amends, I clean up the relationship with the other person so that they no longer see me as the old character as the taker that I was in alcoholism. And I also pay the price for my bad behavior in step nine. I pay the price. I go to a person that I've lied to and I tell them that I lied to them, to their face. And I feel what the pain, I, I get to feel the pain or pay the price for the lie. I just didn't pay it at the time I lied. I postponed it until I made amends. And at that point, I pay the price for the lie because I stand there in front of them and have to have to deal with the emotions of telling somebody that I was a liar instead of telling them before I'm telling them now. But I pay the price. And until I've paid the price in nine, until I've actually paid the price for the lying and the cheating and the stealing by admitting it and becoming willing to do something for that person to make their life better, until I've done that, it's not over. The lying's not over. Until I've made the amends, I will continue to lie. And if I lie, the lying takes me right back into my alcoholism. And I start back over again. And so all 12 steps are needed so that the character can be built so that I truly can have a spiritual awakening in this moment that my spirit could be awakened. And there's a much better chance I could stay in this moment, one moment at a time, because I have become rigorously self-honest through four, five, and six, and I have paid the price in eight and nine, 
and I'm continuing to take personal inventory in 10, and I know what it means to be wrong today because I've made amends for those wrongs. I've paid the price for my wrongs. I know what it costs to do it again, and I know what it does to the other people. And I know what it means to be wrong. And I don't want to be wrong anymore. I don't want to have to go and make amends anymore. It's what, what, what happens is, is that the, 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 the remembrance of the amends comes back in at the moment that I stand at the turning point and I'm either going to do what self says and lie and cheat and steal and manipulate and control or I stand at that turning point and I ask God's protection and care with complete abandon of that self. And then it could happen now. And so I don't, I don't have to do that. I don't have to have that bad behavior anymore. I get to be in this relationship and be reminded that this is where I want to be. So there. I said this meeting's about one, two, and three, and all I talked about was the rest of the steps, so that'll teach you. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I'm going to stop talking now, <laughs> and we're going to open the meeting up for sharing. You can share about whatever you want. You can ask a question if you want. Uh, if you do share, it will be recorded. And we make these recordings available on Spotify for, for others to listen to or for me to listen to again when I need a, a pick-me-up. I will say this, while you're talking, if there's any chance of me hearing what you're saying, it would only be in the fact that I would be present now. And the only way that I can be present when you're talking for me is to practice something called listening the way that I practice listening is that I ask my higher power to help me hear what you're saying while you're saying it. And I do it like a mantra while you're talking. While you're talking, inside of me will be the mantra, God, please help me hear what this person is saying. And around and around, God, please help me hear what this person is saying. God, please help me hear what this person is saying. That is what will be going on inside of me. Or the other alternative is, You'll be talking, I won't hear a word you say, and I'll be fantasizing about something, something, anything. And those are my two options. So I'm going to um, try to practice listening with my higher power and hear what you say. I would encourage you to try it also, because that's all there is to do for the rest of the meeting. You're either going to be listening or talking, and... Uh, if you're listening, you might as well be listening, listening instead of pretend listening. Okay, Brian, you are up. Hi, Brian. Hi, Randy. Brian, alcoholic here. I'm also allergic to alcohol. Um, wow. You moved me. Every once in a while when you share, I hear God speak through you and, and it just drops in and I just get really moved with the, with gratitude or an awareness in the moment that I'm in listening to the construct of the concept that you're talking about. Like, how do I apply this to my life? And I was just, I'm acutely aware of 
uh, I was in a relationship that was in a full-blown addiction cycle. And I am aware that I lied not only to this person, because at some point I knew that this was really unhealthy. And I tried to pretend all this other stuff that I could control it and change it and make it healthy. And what made it even more challenging for myself is I'm looking back at what I had done. And I'd also lied to myself because my higher power was telling me, you, you need to, to exit this, uh, situation. This is not my will for you, Brian. And, and I, and I chatted with God for a moment and said, but I got this. I can, I, I'm going to enjoy this, uh, ice cream because it tastes so good. So that was my cycle. And, and so my question to you is, um, my, uh, my sponsor, Amanda, uh, uh, it's called a no contact, like no contact because of the uh, the chemical rush that happens with oxytocin and all this other chemical stuff I- indefinitely and maybe forever. So how uh, can I pay the pr- I'm paying the price emotionally like I feel like, oh, I I neglected my own inner child and I'm not who I say I am. I, I kind of faked it out, you know. I used to be an actor and I've kind of felt like, Oh yeah, that was another one of those acting roles. You know, I was so inauthentic and I'm not the victim because I chose all of this. So I'm not playing the victim, but I want to be responsible. How can I make amends to this person when I I can't uh, afford the luxury of contacting or getting back toiled into that? And how also do I make I think I know the answer to this, but I'd like to hear your perspective. Make the amends to myself for what I chose to put myself through. That's those are my questions, you know, in yeah. that in that situation. Yeah, those are thank great. you so much, Randy. Yeah. Those are amazing questions, right? Those are almost <laughs> unanswerable questions because None of us were there with you, and and you're the only one that lived through that experience. But I will say this. God, grant me the willingness to forgive myself for all of the mistakes I've made in the past, including this one, and help me to forgive others for the mistakes that they've made. Because... Beating myself up, it's done. It's done. You'll make, you'll know what amends you need to make when it's time to make those amends. Right now, it's time to not be in the presence of that person no matter what. Because mm-hmm. you said so, not because I said so. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, you're not going to be helpful to yourself or anybody else if you're beating yourself up about the mistakes that you made and what you knew you did. I promise you this. You did the best you could do at the time, knowing what you knew. You did the best you could do. That's it. And now you're doing now now you're gonna grow from that experience. And that'll be the the living amends that'll be happen for you and for her. But but if you beat yourself up, this will be a long, slow, painful plot process, right? Yeah. We get to make mistakes. We're alive. We're hum- We're still human. I stand at the turning point. There's a part of me that stands at the turning point that is human. And there's a part of me that stands at the turning point that is spirit. Yeah. 
and I'm always going to have the human part. I'm always going to make mistakes. The, the, the beauty is, is that I don't have to beat myself up for them so long anymore. And it's okay. It's okay. Beautiful. Thanks. Joe? Hi, I'm Joe, alcoholic. Hi, Thanks Joe. for the meeting. Um, as I say, I had 10 years of rising in the fellowship. I was in contact with God, my higher power. Um, got into a toxic relationship and I relapsed 20 months ago. And I'm not blaming the toxic relationship for the relapse. I picked the drink up. But it was quite controlling and mentally abusive, um, which added to it. Um, the thing is, now, we split off Christmas Day, he's gone back to Yorkshire, and I was I had a nervous breakdown, I was in his hospital box, and he's like, so I've not seen him since Christmas Day, but we're still in contact with one another via text. And I know, it's like I've got an addiction, a codependency to this relationship, and part of me wants him back, part of me doesn't want him back, and this is my second day sober after a detox now. I've got no desire to pick a drunk up, thanks to God, my higher power. Um, but all my feelings are starting to come back, and I've got this piece of anxiety in my stomach. And we were texting earlier on, and he said, I'll text you later. And I keep manically checking my phone, thinking, why is he text, why is he text, why is he text? Hmm. But then, it's like I'm in this vicious circle. I don't want him to text. But then when he says he texts, and he doesn't, and I'm like... It's like my head's playing mental ping pong with the whole situation. I don't want to be like this. I know this relationship, it's toxic, it's doomed. Um, he's been arrested twice by the police. But part of me just can't let go. Now, I don't know if that's the alcoholic part of my brain that's insecure and I'm clinging on. And it's almost like he's become another form of an addiction to me. And it's driving me absolutely crackers. Um, before I went into... The detox I was in this house on my own for three weeks, lonely, drinking non-stop to block it out. And when I'm drinking, I'm numb on the pain, and I don't care if it's text, I don't care away from them for three, four days. But now I'm sober, all these, this anxiety is coming back and these feelings are coming back. And it's it's how to deal with them, and I'm trying to hand it over to God, but it's, it's hard because I don't want this mental ping-pong in my head. Um, I try to meditate before, and I'll be perfectly honest with you, I gave up after about two minutes. Because my head's like, bum, 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 bum. I just can't concentrate. I'm manically checking my phone and I know what's wrong. And I'm like, I just, I'm asking for God mm-hmm. to show me the path and know what to do. Mm-hmm. I know what I need to do. Mm-hmm. But right now, I haven't got the strength. And I'm just, I'm asking God to please give me the strength. Because I know what I need to do. But I'm just, I just, it's like, it, it's, it's like he's another form of addiction. Mm-hmm. I just don't know what to do. I'll mm-hmm. leave it there. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Joe. Yeah. Yeah, there's... So, the disease of alcoholism is always looking for something. It's always... It talks to me. It talks to me in my own voice. And it tells me, oh, I need this relationship. And it will not shut up about it until I get that relationship back. Then that same voice... That same voice that told me I need this relationship says, you're so stupid. What are you doing in this relationship? And so in alcoholism, alcoholism is like a game 
like a game of dice. And no matter what you throw, you lose. <laughs> it's not funny because it's so, <laughs> it's not funny because it's so terrible. But it, that's the game. Anytime I ask myself what I think about anything, I'm rolling the dice of you lose. Because if it tells me I need this relationship, as soon as I get it, it'll tell me it's the wrong one. If, it, if I don't get it, it tells me I'm a loser for not getting it. So either way, I lose. And so the, you know, and you're in the early throes of, of giving up that addiction of this new relationship. So it's very challenging. It's like being a newcomer sober. You, you have both. You're sober newly and you're newly out of this relationship. So I would say find your sponsor and cling on to them and, and hold on for dear life because that's what I did when, when I was dying and dying of alcoholism and I knew it was going to kill me. And I was, I had, mm, it was like 1994. So I already had like six years of sobriety and something came up in my life that was life threatening that I thought was gonna kill me with shame and guilt and all kinds of ways it was trying to kill me. And I went and sat with my sponsor and I got lucky I had a sponsor that didn't really work. So I could just go and sit and talk and sit and did nothing. I did a lot of nothing, just hung around my sponsor for times. Now I'm not saying that your sponsor is gonna heal you, but the willingness to be around the sponsor to treat the disease is is what where the healing is. In the program, it says, uh, if we're willing to go to any length, any length, most people think that means any length, big, but what it really means is any, say, any length, any I length. I just say my sponsor died um, two weeks before I relapsed, so I actually don't have a sponsor. So you need a new she one. Yes, she died unexpectedly. You need a new one. I need a sponsor desperately. 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 I need a sponsor because... Yeah. I know I can't do this on my own. Yeah. I need somebody to... Yeah. I know God's guiding me, but I need somebody to help me clear the fog. Absolutely. Get okay. a sponsor immediately. There's some women on this this call that are in London, not Liverpool, but anyway, they're closer. So uh, maybe okay. they'll reach out to you. All right, Scott. Try again. You're you're muted. How's that? That's better. Not going to work today. All right. Thank you, Randy. Scott, definitely an alcoholic. Hi, Scott. Oh, uh, again, this is the extended family that uh, I never had, and um, everyone's share. It reminds me of something I believe you said, or definitely heard in Third Street Promenade meeting. You need to wear this program like a loose coat. Quit beating the crap out of yourself. Mm. You know, you're doing the best you can. Back off yourself. Um, that almost more harm has been done to myself not doing that. I'm finally through the other side of what's been going on since July 4th with my mom. And oh my God, it feels great to be able to smile 
it feels great to be semi-normal. I'll never be normal. <laughs> That's too boring. And recently it was, quit being so hard on yourself. Hmm. You've got everybody else to <laughs> be hard on yourself. Um, I just want to share that it's, it's okay to be happy. If, if God is very similar to your father, hopefully your father wanted you to be happy and he didn't want you to beat the living crap out of yourself mentally, physically, no problem. You know, cut my hands, fall off a ladder physically. I'll heal, but it's the mental thing. Um, I just want to thank you for what you do. Mm. And um, thank you, everyone, for your shares. Take care. Thanks, Scott. Phyllis. You always say it the same way, and I go, Randy. (laughs) (laughs) Have mercy. Have mercy. I am. You know, I was just thinking about you saying the birth is supposed to be on the first, second, and third step, but we went all over the step. And, you know, this is a lifelong process mm-hmm. for me. For me, I can only speak for myself, and it's been decades. And I remember when I first started out, and I, within 23 days, I went to my mother. I am here, I am amending my behavior from today on, and I did it with my brother, I think, and I just had to. And it was really a relief of my my alcoholism, my alcoholic tenant. Not There's something about continuing to do the steps over and over. I don't even know if you have to do them over, but to the depth of doing it, that we're the third step gives you the space to look deeper into the rest of the steps. By having a, a real relationship with a power greater than yourself, it gives that space, that place to forgive ourselves. Thanks for bringing up the forgiveness thing, Randy. So I went and I got the Emmett Fox book around the, around the year with Emmett Fox. And I don't know if you want me to read it, but uh, there's a big piece on forgiveness on pay on February 15th, so coincidentally, hmm. at page and February 17th, and it talks about the technique of forgiveness is not very difficult when you understand how. The only thing that is essential is willingness. You spoke about that is the willingness to give. Provided you desire to forgive the offender, the greatest part of the work is already done. Mm. The offender can be myself or be the other, right? Um, The method of forgiving is this. Get by yourself and become quiet. Repeat any prayer that appeals to you or read a chapter of the Bible. Then quietly say, I fully and freely forgive X or whatever the name of the person is or yourself name of the offender, I lose him and I, I lose him and let him go. I cast the burden aside. He is free now and I am free too. The truth has set us both free. What it talks about is not repeating the same thing over and over again. It's, it's like you've given it to God. Do I really think that? No, I'll say the same thing over and over again. 
but that's me not believing that God truly has 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 done his work that is doing his work in my life because if you do it once it's why you know what I'm saying it really is enough to get so I mean that's that's like saying I mean if you have uh, repeated slips you don't keep coming back you do keep coming back no matter what is there forgiveness in that yes is there forgiveness for us and others that we think did something to us that made us use again? I don't know. <laughs> but um, it's a very interesting forgiveness on a couple of pages. And guys, if you have that book, give it a look. Thanks. Thanks, Phyllis. Elizabeth, hello. Hi, Randy. <clears throat> Thank you so much. I love listening to you, and I lost track of time. I was a little late. I was insp- I'm Elizabeth Alcoholic. I was Hi, inspired to look up something after Brian was sharing. Um, and it led me to step seven in the 12 and 12 on page 75. It says everywhere we saw failure and misery transformed by humility into priceless assets. We heard story after story of how humility had brought strength out of weakness. In every case, pain had been the price of admission into a new life, but this admission price had purchased more than we expected. It brought a measure of humility, which we soon discovered to be a healer of pain. We began to fear pain less and desire humility more than ever. And when I think about the situations I've been in that have caused me pain, I really think about them differently than I used to. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not so much about forgiving myself, because if I truly trust my higher power, that that, that my higher power is in charge. So even with my defects or decisions I've made that I can consider having come out of a defect, I can choose to learn, you know, and, and accept that I was put in this situation possibly to learn more and um, do my best with it. And yeah. And, and if I really trust that higher power, you know, I can't erase my own defects just like that. You know, I don't have the power to do that. I would have done it a long time ago, right? God's going to use my defects for for what he determines is for the greater good, mm. you know, and, and I can trust that. Mm. Um, and it's really given me a lot of relief because I used to question everything. I heard a speaker once, she said, I'm a why girl. I got to say why about everything. You know, I'm not doing anything until I ask why and I understand why and I know the answer and then I'll try it. And I just got, my life brought me to my knees on all of that stuff. Um, There were no answers to the why questions anymore. And I had to accept and just say, okay, God, here we go. I'm not in the God role anymore. You are. Um, I don't understand why this is happening that I have to trust you. I, what choice do I have? You know, mm. I'm making that choice to trust my higher power. Mm. Um, and it's given me so much relief to do that, mm. you know, just to stop that fighting, just fighting to understand, fighting to want to know, you know, I used to want to, can't you just check it out with me first, God, you know, so I can sign off on it. And once I stopped doing that, it just, everything got easier. It really did. And, and the whole idea of, it, it, there just wasn't a need for me to forgive myself, mm. you know? And 
you know, I went through some stuff over the summer and I was very transparent about it, partly because I, I just was desperate for some kind of um, comfort in sharing it. And, but also, you know, at 56 years old and 35 years sober, I, I don't have shame. I just, I'm not going to shame myself. You know, this is what I went through. It was hard, you know. There was a day last summer I felt like I needed to be in the hospital, you know, Mm -hmm. over Mm -hmm. how I was feeling. And Mm -hmm. the fact that I could speak openly about it and and have the courage to do that, too, without fear of being judged, um, which is kind of funny because, you know, at my age, also my my my, you know, because I'm 56. I I don't know if it's like that for anyone else, but it's sort of like, you know, bring it on. You want to judge me like I'm doing the best I can here in my life. So. But what was so great was the fact that I was so open and I learned more from sort of the inner voices, you know, to, to, to go ahead and speak out loud and, and, um, speak my truth and not shame myself. Um, you know, and it, and it was a lot of, it was about my relationship. A lot of you all know me and you know what I've been through this year and, and, and the benefits that have come from that have been amazing, you know, and it's given other people the, the, the strength to talk about their stuff with less judgment and, and any shame. And um, I just trust God has made me who I am and I'm on a journey that I don't understand. Um, and I just try to stay in the day and do the next right thing. I can't attach to any outcomes because I don't know what they are. I'm still in, in flux in a lot of areas of my life. So I don't really have a choice to, you know, I was single last week. Now I'm not single. Like, I don't even know what's going to happen with my relationship. It's really, you know, I, it's just almost comical. It's like, mm. Hey, Elizabeth, you don't have any choice but to stay in the day. I know, you know, <laughs> it's like, okay. And, but there's so much freedom and peace in all of it. You know, mm-hmm. some days I don't talk like this. Some days I'm mad. I hate it. I'm like, okay, Santa Claus, God, can you please give me the answers now? I've been a good girl and and they still don't come. But today I'm okay with it, you know, because I, I don't need forgiveness of self anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm who I am. I'm doing the best I can. And, mm-hmm. and I see everything as a possible lesson. Mm-hmm. And you've helped me so much with all of this, Randy. I mean, mm-hmm. just just the constant, like, watching for those things in my mind that want to tell me I'm not okay, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I don't do that. I'm just, mm-hmm. I'm not doing that, mm-hmm. but probably to a fault. I'm, I'm, I'm actually downstairs in my living room cause I'm, I need to clean it because I've, I've let myself off the hook, um, for a while now. And anyway, I love you guys so much and that's it for me. Thanks Elizabeth. Great to hear from you. Lisa snowing. Yes, it is. Hi, Lisa. It is snowing, and I'm really grateful to be here. And I'm grateful I keep coming back, even when I'm mad at myself, because that is a futile little exercise. Um, I, I, I'm not sure what we were talking about originally, but um, what helped me really, really shifted me in the last couple of months was reviewing. I'm all over the steps, but. It's not such a bad thing. But reviewing the fact that I had no power to do it differently. I didn't have the power. So it's like the same loop of every time I try to do what I want to do or yell at my husband because I want to yell at him because he's not changing and all that. And I know all the intellectually all the ridiculous of it, but like I don't have the power there either. I just have the power to like create a lot of chaos and, and leave an impact 
And here I'm like all packed up like I am going somewhere. I don't like it here in my house. I don't like what's going on. And you know what it, the truth is? The truth is, is that I'm in the middle of writing a four-step, and somebody brought up the um, principle of effort, and and I went nuts because the truth is the truth. You know, I want somebody to fix me still. I want my own intellectual knowledge to make it better. I want myself to make better decisions. But the shift and the way it had to naturally come at 57 was that I couldn't do it any better. But I do have a choice pick up these tools to get presents. Maybe I do need to go away because I feel a little foul right now and who knows what I'm going to say or do next. And, um, but it, it just, it comes down to the things that I can change, like creating a space in my very large house where I could go sit and have this meeting and meditate, not have my father walk back and forth, you know, not be interrupted because my husband, just like a normal person, read something in a book wants to share it with me. He doesn't know I'm on a meeting necessarily or, you know, and, and, and so it's, I have the choice to pick up the tools. And if I'm not going to do that, it doesn't seem very fair for me to blame it on everyone else. Mm-hmm. And I, um, I find that to be a gift to know that, mm-hmm. you know, because I'm pissed off I have to do this. Mm-hmm. Why do I have to do it? I don't care about that part. Mm-hmm. I know clearly that I have to do it. Mm-hmm. And if I want to be free, I'm going to give it my all mm-hmm. and not mess around. And when I do mess around, I, I had a relapse this week. I'm going to call it a relapse because I got clutter issues, shopping, you know, never enough. And all of a sudden, just like on page, I don't know, the second half about more about alcoholism. Like, I had no memory of, like, just yesterday I'm cleaning up my clutter, moving it left and right. And I found myself in a store, and, like, three hours went by in a stupid thrift shop. And the shame spiral, here's my progress. It only lasted a few minutes. I just let it go and, and move on and go back to what I know and what I know I learned here. And mm. I also learned by getting quiet and listening to myself because I, I have learned how to quiet my mind. But now I need to ask the questions and listen for the answers I don't know. Forget all that stuff I think I know and move on. And so I'm feeling very hopeful. Thank you all for nice. helping me get there. Thanks, Lisa. Good to see you, Elizabeth. Great to see you. All right. 12.22, there's a little time left. Who's up? <clears throat> mm. Okay. We can just sit here and breathe together. It's good too. appreciate you all so much. I hope you know that. I appreciate that you're here. Just sitting here with me doing nothing is awesome. I love it. Hi, DJ. You're up. Thank you. Hi, everyone. I'm DJ. I'm an alcoholic with alcoholism and a spiritual seeker as well. Mm -hmm. It's great to be here. 
you know, the prayer. I didn't meditate. I was talking to my higher power the whole time with so much gratitude. And uh, that excites me because, you know, I just didn't have any gratitude for the first three and a half years I was sober when Mm -hmm. I came back. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's a long time to have no gratitude. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I have much today. And uh, I'm looking at right now, I have a physical issue, mm-hmm. and uh, I, it was being taken care of, you know, with a, a doctor's uh, diagnosis, and didn't seem to be too bad. And but what happened uh, ten days ago is it's uh, gotten much worse, mm-hmm. and my GP suggested strongly that I go see an internist, and I said. An internist, this is a physical issue. I mean, uh, it's actually physically, you can see it on my body. And uh, she said she thinks this has now become uh, systemic. Mm. And uh, she pulled out from two years ago, complete blood tests that I had done. Mm -hmm. And everything was really good except for um, my kidneys, not bad, and also my liver, not bad. Now, I had hepatitis when I was 18 years old, and I've always had, you know, I've had no problem there, and uh, and I've never even had a biopsy. But anyway, so where my alcoholism goes to, you know, when I first heard the word systemic from her and hung up the phone, I thought, well, what if this is my kidneys and I need to go on dialysis? Mm. And then I thought, well, what if it's my heart? Mm. And uh, and what if it's, what if they have to cut off my legs? Mm. <laughs> and, uh, and then I went directly to God and I asked my high power for acceptance for some inspiration mm-hmm. for what I can do for myself so that I can also help others. Mm-hmm. And uh, the fear has actually dissipated. Nice. And uh, I'm really good at letting go quickly once mm-hmm. I surrender. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, it's very speedy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was able to do that I have goosebumps now, mm. and I always think that's my higher power saying hello. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, so now, as I think about this, all happened yesterday. Mm. And, uh, well, no, it was the day before yesterday. And I decided I needed a, my nails really needed to be um, done. So I decided, well, if I'm going to die soon, I've got to look good. So I went to have a mani-pedi yesterday because that's where I'm at, you know, and I know that's my alcoholism showing also, but in that respect, I thought it was a good thing. And uh, so that's what I did yesterday. And today I, you know, I've even thought of, you know, not going to the doctor, the specialist, Mm -hmm. but I will because I want to know what it's not. Mm -hmm. Or I want to know what it is. Mm-hmm. 
and then I can make my own decision about with my higher powers help. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So I'm just, uh, I'm really, really excited that I was able to wake up this morning mm-hmm. to get here. Because mm-hmm. it doesn't happen every time. Mm-hmm. But um, everyone's share has been so beautiful. Mm-hmm. I love uh, doing the third step prayer with you. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, I'm learning how to do that myself. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, and any prayer can be done like that. Mm-hmm. It's a really beautiful thing. It's like my heart goes into it. Mm-hmm. It's not just, uh, you know, a, a rote that I just say, I don't do that. <clears throat> anyway, I'm really happy to be here with all of you. Everyone's share has been so beautiful. Thanks, DJ. And, um, you've all helped me so much in my sobriety. Thank you. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you. And I love that you do the third step prayer with me. Love it. It's the best. All right, 1228. So I guess that's pretty much it for today. Nobody's clamoring to share. So um, I appreciate you, all of you, for coming here today and meditating with me. I really, I I give you all the credit that I meditated today. (laughs) You have no idea how this thing works, I think, because you all are saving my life. Um, we're going to have a retreat in uh, Nashville, this group, the, the principles and application group, but it's not AA. It's just a mindfulness meditation and prayer retreat. It's in Nashville. It's in the end of April and there is still rooms. And if you'd like to go, you could reach out to me, uh, and, or you can go to the website. There's a website. It's just my name, randymermel.com. And then there's information about the retreat there. And there's uh, a link to all of the podcasts there also, if you wanted to hear a a meeting again. And that's about it. It's 1230. So we'll take a moment of silence and then we'll do the serenity prayer together. Okay, so if you'd like to, you could all unmute yourselves. And God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I Courage to change. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.